Welcome in Rose City to a new episode of the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. I'm Ryan Clark, joined by Chris Reifer coming off the uh, the DL or IL or COVID L, however you want to say it. I mean, uh, how you how you feeling, man? Uh, I've been released from quarantine enough to be back on the internet, um, which is uh, which which is exciting. No, I'm doing a lot better. Uh, there were a few days last week that were that were a little bit touch and go, but doing much 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 better. Thankful, certainly, to be vaccinated and boosted, and to have all the tools that science has given me to to help fight this thing off. Wouldn't recommend it for those who haven't had it yet. Not super fun. Three stars at at most. Um, <laughs> Uh, in, in terms of a sickness. And I say that only because I'm an Oregonian, right? And so I'm like physically incapable of getting giving anything less than three stars. So don't recommend it uh, if you can avoid it. Certainly glad to have had the, 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 the tools that a lot of scientists work very, very hard to give me to be able to be prepared to fight this off. I, I'm back reemerging into the wild. Yeah, I'm glad that glad that you're back. Glad that uh, you didn't get it too seriously. Obviously, um, you know that it helps that you were boosted, and and it's good to see that you are returning to form. The same cannot necessarily be said for some of the soccer teams that we cover, but we'll get into that. Fifty percent of them. Yeah, fifty percent <laughs> of them are in form, uh, and and we'll start with the one that is, uh, and, <laughs> and that that is the uh, Portland Thorns, who. Um, Really, I believe have have showcased themselves to be the top team in NWSL um, in these last couple of weeks uh, with the form that they've been in. Um, obviously, the San Diego Wave are, are playing extremely well right now, led by Alex Morgan, who is just completely going off um, out of nowhere. <laughs> just, uh, I mean, not out of nowhere. She, we know what she can do, but at the same time, um, she's just completely exploded so much so that Sophia Smith, who uh, in a normal year, would definitely be leading the league in goals. Uh, tweeted at Alex Morgan to slow down because she's trying to <laughs> catch up to her in, in the the lead for goals, uh, and it really in the race for NWSL MVP if you if you think about it on a larger scale. But six uh, zero for the Thorns over an Orlando Pride team that is <laughs> not on uh, even the same stratosphere as this no. thorns team no. I, it was, and, it was and, and you you could even the eyeball test showed you that yeah it was women among girls uh in terms of the uh the play on the field over this weekend it, it there was a, a point late in the game where taylor porter was so wide open i i legit thought that the play was dead and she was just kicking it for the sake of kicking it but as it turns out it was an actual live play, not a well defended set piece. <laughs> the Orlando Pride just didn't show up for the for the play, so it was rough for sure. So you you take a result like that with a, a small grain of salt, I think. But the the one that's more telling of the form they're in uh, is the four zero game over Houston. Uh, that's a Houston team that has shown itself to be solid defensively all year. Yes, they were missing a few players, but I mean ten zero in the last two games. Going into the break, really clinical quality play. Yep, fifteen to two in the last four games, including a two to two draw that Portland was up two zero up until the last ten minutes or so of that game, and Taylor Corniak decided to just tower over everybody, literally and figuratively, and just uh, <laughs> just power in two goals. But they're looking really good, and and I think that Thorns fans who have shown up as per usual in droves this season, highest attendance in NWSL by a significant margin they have a lot to be excited about with this team uh this is a team that once it comes back from break gets back into a rhythm could make a very serious run all the way to to an nwsl title they're deep they had a number of key players missing including christine sinclair and morgan weaver up top in in the game against orlando and still were clinical i mean janine becky was putting balls in that were excellent uh, including the goal uh, that Hina Suga has scored, which was superb. And we'll talk more about Hina, but just really a stacked team, if you think about it. No matter what formation they go with, it seems to really be clicking right now for this group. What I've been kind of pondering over the last day or so is whether this is the best four-game stretch we've seen in the Thorns history. And that's like that's a big statement. We have seen these Thorns over the course of the last most of a decade have some stretches where they really dominated the league. Uh, certainly they've won, you know, the shield. 
<laughs> you don't do that without without having some stretches. They've won a couple uh, a, a, a couple cups. They, you know, I mean, last year they won what was sort of a a, a MacGyver treble, and, and so that that's that's no small statement. Which is why I, I want to qualify it somewhat by you know sort of just opening it up uh, for consideration. But I think it's in there. I, I mean, look, you know, yes, it's not it's not a four game win streak. They did have that one draw that you talked about to San Diego. San Diego, although also is is currently the table leader. So like a, an away draw, even notwithstanding the circumstances uh, of having it be one that they kind of let slip through their fingers a little bit, but an away draw at the top team in the table is not bad by any means. Um, that's nothing to shake a stick at. And then the three other games, 3-0 to Angel City, who at the time were playing pretty well. A lot of folks were worried going into that game. I will just take a note. That I thought the Tim or I thought the Thorns were gonna were gonna dominate that game, and they did three zero in a pretty uncompetitive game um, where they dominated Angel City. They went down to Houston and won four zero. Now, folks point out no Rachel Daly, a couple other absences for the Dash, but look, I mean, no Christine Sinclair for the Thorns. No, you know, I, I mean, the, the stretch Emily Mangas has been out. Uh, Megan Klingenberg has missed some time. Morgan Weaver has missed some time, as you noted. So, like injuries go both ways, and 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 you could say that about both teams and. Four zero. Frankly, that's not a margin that one or two players make up. At the Houston Dash, another team that a team that came into Portland and won a few weeks earlier, and 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 a team that that I think has had a little bit more punch than than maybe some folks expected. Four zero at the Dash in Houston. Big result. Rough conditions too. I I had heard from folks that were there that it was. It was sweltering on the field. I mean, it was as per it's, usual. It's not a summer turf field, Houston. but yes, it's summer in Houston is just it's thick. That yeah. air is thick. So, uh, yeah, exactly. And and something that that Houston is obviously a lot better prepared to to play in than than Portland four zero. That's pretty good. And, and that's you know, I mean, uh, it's a six pack. Uh, it, it's it's a touchdown minus the extra point. Uh, it's it's you know, I, I <laughs> against the pride. And I I agree with people who say that the pride are a bit of a mess. They are. Um, that's very true, but I mean, six zero and, and it's not a fluky six zero. I mean, we're not talking about the Timbers beating SKC seven two, which is a total outlier. <laughs> like that, yes. that game is, yeah. <laughs> is a one-off. This is not a one-off. The reality is the, the thorns have just gone through a four game stretch in which they've played two home and two away. They've played three teams in the top half of the table, including the first and third uh, teams uh, on the table. The Thorns are second, so those are that's as, that's as, as good as you can do. Um, they uh, they have had a number of of injuries from regular contributors, including uh, including multiple starters, and they came out of the stretch of games with three wins, an away draw to the best team in the table, the and an aggregate score of 15 to two, 15 to two in four games that I, you know, I mean, I, 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 I think it's a worth, it's worth asking the question whether that is the best four game stretch we've seen from the thorns in their history. Uh, Cause I think it's got a pretty darn credible case I, and, and you know, the different ways they've done it, uh, the different contributors that they found, uh, the adjustments that they've made moving uh, Hinesugida to the wing, um, where she's been very effective, uh, it, it, you know, in part by necessity, sort of the 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 real emergence of Sam Coffey uh, and her first call up to the national team. Those are not just going to be camp calls for very long if she keeps playing the way she has. Um, I I mean, that is a... a, a, a yeah, I, I've, I'm to a significant extent at a loss for words because it's just that good. And when you even zoom out even further and look at a team that has a new GM, a new coach, basically a completely new central midfield, and now you've sort of an even newer central midfield since they moved Sugita out to the wing, um, to be doing this in the first half of the season, unbelievable. I mean, like if you if you'd have said before the season that something like this was the expectation you'd have been out to lunch that's ridiculous um that would have been a completely unreasonable expectation 
the hope for the Thorns was that by the end of the season, they would be at a point where they could be competitive with the top of the league to maybe be in a in, in, in playoff position. But there was just so much change that asking for this, and still no Crystal Dunn, by the way, um, that asking for this at this point of the season would have been just wild-eyed and ridiculous. And they are doing the wild-eyed and ridiculous. Uh, I'm I'm glad I'm on their side. <laughs> and, and and not on somebody else's side because I I would not want to be playing the thorns right now and I think there are a number of other other teams in the league saying well I'd rather have this little international break than go play the thorns right now because uh, if the last few weeks are any, any indication the only thing that happens when you play the thorns is you get embarrassed you don't just lose you get embarrassed yeah and they're having fun out there I mean the they're coming up with creative dance moves to celebrate the different goals. I mean, their their camaraderie is really strong. Uh, it's it's more than just you know an assemblage of incredible talent of w- which they have plenty. I mean, they are a fun loving group. They're they're close. Uh, Rian's leadership is evident in in how they are poised on the field. And WSL um, Coach of the Year. This is a really dangerous team. Uh, I. If they finish first or second, I think she has to because she, she took on a, a basically a really difficult challenge uh, in in kind of retooling this this team to to fit her style, um, bringing in a number of new players, losing a few, um, and and making it work. Um, I think that uh, Karina LeBlanc deserves a lot of credit for bringing in a player like Hina Sugata. Uh, for for setting the roster up the way that it is uh, at this current point, bringing Janine Becky in, I think, is something that uh, starting to pay dividends. is really starting to pay dividends. Uh, we saw that in the Orlando game; uh, she was key in a lot of those runs, uh, putting perfect crosses in. And, and I, when I went up to Vancouver to watch the Canada women's national team uh, play. I saw flashes like that from Becky and I was like, okay, this is, this is something she's going to do. Uh, it didn't necessarily happen. The first few games she was here, she was kind of gelling with the team, but once she got into her rhythm, I mean, she, she had an assist to Christine Sinclair uh, a couple games ago uh, that felt like a catalyst for her to say, okay, I can essentially do for this team what I've been doing for all the other teams I play for and, and be, be this setup person, be this, this, uh, really incredible talented passer that she is. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Rian Wilkinson is someone who you absolutely have to look at as, as a potential coach of the year candidate. Um, there are others that are definitely deserving. Stoney, uh, you know, is obviously in the, in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, she, she has to be up there without question. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm for the job that she's done in her very first year as, as a head coach here in Portland, um, it, it's been phenomenal. And, and, you know, it's funny, we talk about this being potentially the best four game stretch in, in Thorne's history of which I think is definitely a fair question. Um, she, when talking about the form that the team is in, I asked her about it. I asked, um, what she thought of, of how good a form this team is in. Um, it was one of those things where she smiled knowing that they were obviously playing incredible, but, she tempered the expectations and said, yes, but, you know, yes, but we're, we're still working on this, that, or the other, you know, the classic coach speak type thing. Um, and I think that's a testament to her focus and, and her, um, ability to manage expectations with this team. They know that they are very, very good. They know that they're one of the most talented teams in NWSL, but I don't think that they, play with really any lack of urgency you could say that maybe the final 10 minutes against san diego uh were a small window of of that occurring uh but since then they have turned the jets all the way on and uh, there hasn't been a, a lapse that i've even noticed throughout the last 180 minutes of soccer that this team has played yeah, and I think we can trace that ruthlessness back to that sort of grinded out game that they had uh, against Chicago. Um, that's uh, that sort of preceded this the, the this stretch. Again, that's a really tough road game. The Red Stars have been in good form. They've been playing very very well. Um, and you know, I, I don't think that's a game that the Thorns dominated by any means. But I do think it's a game where the Thorns fought like heck to get to get a point out of it. Uh, and to come back twice and to equalize twice. Um, 
And so, you know, I, I, I think, I think you can, you can sort of draw sort of the, the, the seeds, the connection back to that game where they've, they've really sort of developed this ruthlessness and this hard edge to them, um, that has, you know, I mean, led to, to, to this stretch, uh, you know, I, I very much agree that, that, uh, that Rean Wilkinson has to be a leading candidate and I'm not going to say the leading candidate, but it's certainly a leading candidate at this point of the season for NWSL coach of the year. Um, and you know, I mean, she, at this point, you've got to say that, uh, that, that her team is, is sort of a, a leader or a favorite, uh, when it comes to, to handicapping the shield race, uh, and when it comes to making predictions about, uh, about winning the cup at the end of the year. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think that's, I think that's all pretty remarkable. One thing we haven't even talked about, we haven't even mentioned this. Becky Sauerbrunn, playmaker and goal scorer oh, yeah. extraordinaire. Oh my God. She, her attitude about that after the game was so funny. She, it was just this, uh, this, this combination of disbelief and, and joy from her that she was able to score a goal. A goal um, and an assist. A goal and, and an, an assist, play assist for her. Too. Yeah, it's open like play. A- <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just this random, like, oh yeah, I guess she got an assist thing. She, she legit set Sophia up for um, the first of two goals from, the exact same spot, one with her right foot, one with her left foot, just showing off. I mean, come on. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about Sophia, but um, for Becky, I mean, it, it was <laughs> it was an expensive night for her. Uh, she right. she had uh, pledged to donate money to an LGBTQ advocacy organization um, for every goal that the team scored, for every appearance, and for five hundred dollars for every goal she scored. Uh, when she first put out that tweet, you know, people laugh like, ha ha, like she's not going to have to donate the $500 part because she doesn't really score goals. She hadn't yet in a Thorns uniform. Uh, <laughs> and then lo and behold, 6-0, one of the goals was hers. So that is $1,100 right there. You add the appearance, $250, three thirteen hundred and fifty dollars for for uh becky sauerbrunn to donate uh to to that cause uh she she joked that um next paycheck she gets she's just gonna have to give the whole thing to um to to this cause which uh if she can afford it great but that is that's a heck of a a commitment And, and it it showcases how how fun and exciting that game was for her personally. Uh, she's such a lovable character. She was putting the hands behind her ears. I don't know if you saw that celebration. Yeah, what did you think of that? Oh, that was kick ass. I, th- I thought that was so. <laughs> NWSL needs more of that. Just just showboat as much as humanly possible. I I am all in. Oh yeah, that. I I'm, yeah. I'm team pro fun. Oh, I am I am in favor of fun and and things like that are fun. Uh, I thought. Given the layoff that she had between goals that, you know, I mean, there was maybe a little bit of time to come up with something a little bit different. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I'm team pro fun. I thought it was great as well. Uh, and, and I think you're right. That sort of just the, the, the energy from the team and the amount of fun that they're having, um, while they're going out and absolutely just dunking all over the league, um, is, uh, is, is great. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I think not only, not only, uh, you know, Sauerbrunn's goal scoring and, and, and playmaking has been helpful, but I also think now that she's had sort of a run of games back in central defense, that's really starting to pay dividends. Uh, you know, I mean, we focus obviously on the 15 over four games, um, uh, but the two is, is pretty darn impressive as well, given the opposition, um, and given that they're without Emily Menges, who's been, you know, a mainstay in central defense for basically ever <laughs> the entirety of the Thorns existence. Um, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and the other, uh, you know, changes and disruptions they've had in the lineup to face that opposition and to come out of those four games, having only conceded twice, both of which were in the same 10 minutes, uh, at San Diego, I, I think is, is really remarkable. Uh, and I, and I think it's, it's very much secondary to the fact that Becky is, is now back in the lineup, uh, regularly wearing the armband in form, uh, fit, 
uh, and ready to go, which is something that they didn't quite have uh, at the beginning of the season where they were maybe having a little bit more difficult a time kind of keeping their their hands around games and making sure that they don't concede one or two of those um, that 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 kind of let games slip through their fingers. And so I, I think it's been uh, an enormous difference. Uh, she's been a, a, a difference maker um, since getting back into, into fitness and form. And, you know, I mean, I, I, a, I have no idea what Sauerbrunn's, what she wants for her future. Um, but I also think it's something the thorns need to be thinking seriously about and, and maybe the timbers and thorns in combination need to be thinking seriously about, um, because, uh, from, the aptitude that she showed in leading the U.S. women's national team through their equal pay fight, um, I mean, which <laughs> probably given the, the amount of time involved and, and everything involved probably uh, equates to having a master's degree in like soccer economics and, and, and those sorts of things. The, I mean, just overwhelming amount of sort of just organizational leadership that she has shown literally everywhere she's ever been. Um, the obvious intelligence, uh, her familiarity with the game, uh, I, I mean, all of those qualities make Sauerbrunn the kind of person that, that whether it's on the field or in some other very senior capacity, uh, is somebody whom you would want to have leading your club. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I say this only to sort of put a, put a marker on it. Uh, as as something to be considering down the road. Uh, but I hope they're thinking about that because if they can keep Becky Sauerbrunn in the club for a long, long time in, in many capacities, um, that would be a coup. That would be a big, big deal. Uh, and it's something that, that, you know, I mean, they should really want to do. I have no idea if she's interested in that. <laughs> I have no idea what she wants to do uh, when she plans to to end her playing career or what she wants to do uh, when the, when that comes to pass. Um, but uh, if if I was in the organization, I would be trying to figure that out um, so that I have the ability to offer her something in a, in the in the kind of capacity that she wants to be in. Yeah, I I think she would excel in something like that, even if it was an assistant GM role starting out uh, un- underneath Karina um, or some other advisory role. Uh, I think she would be excellent. She's a deeply intelligent and uh, well-spoken individual who uh, cares deeply about the off-field stuff. And I think that there are a few sports leagues in the world that are more uh, politically active and um, speaking out for human rights and against human rights abuses than NWSL. Um, and, and she is someone that honestly, she could be commissioner of NWSL someday if she wanted to, she's got that type of leadership. Uh, the question would be, you know, would they pick somebody like that who is more outspoken or somebody that's a little more careful? I think for the future of the league, somebody like that would be a tremendous person in that position. Uh, but we'll let Becky, finish finish her career out on the field first and, and Be, see before what she we wants start to do. the before we start the sauerbrunn for commissioner or yeah sauerbrunn yeah. for u.s soccer president <laughs> campaign <laughs> i think that that would be pretty awesome uh but we will obviously let her finish her career on the field um and and speaking of i guess that that position on the field i actually was um thinking about this watching the orlando game uh they put natalia cuica in there at right back uh, which was interesting, uh, moving away from the three in the back uh, trend that they've had for pretty much all of their games this season. Um, I get Reen's philosophy, but do you think that there's consideration there based on this move uh, that she might be moving away from that? Or is this just a product maybe of um, situational changes to to the formation that she is just doing uh, just to play around with a team that she knew they were going to kick the, you know, what out of, you know, I think part of it is, is certainly situational. Um, not having Mengus, obviously I, I think alleviates a lot of, frankly, the, the kind of 
a near mandate <laughs> to play three center backs, uh, just given the personnel available. Um, and, uh, and uh, also not having Sinclair, uh, there, although Moultrie is, is a like for like ish, uh, replacement. Um, you know, it, 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 it sort of creates an opportunity to innovate a little bit. I really liked the way that four, four, two operated though, uh, against, uh, against the pride. Oh. 26 to five, I think was the shot <laughs> <Yeah>. difference that <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> hard to argue with that. And, yeah. and, you know, I mean, in looking at this game sort of uh, singularly, it is very fair to say, you know, that that we need to be a little bit careful just based on the opposition. Um, but I thought the four four two operated very, very well. I think part of it that is that has allowed that to to happen um is just how good Sam Coffey has been as a six. Um if you're gonna go with sort of a a true kind of, you know, single pivot really four four two, where you've got a clear six in in Coffey, you've got a you've got Rocky Rodriguez as as an eight, um who's who's going to push on a bit more uh and and is going to be and is going to play box to box um and then you know Moultrie is your other central player but she was really playing uh, you know either as a true kind of free 10 uh or you could even yeah as as sort of the formation implies as a second forward um you know y- you need to have a really good really reliable six uh in order to play that way uh, and I think she has earned that trust. And I think every time now that she has that, that, that trust has been placed in her, she's rewarded it. Um, I, I think moving Sugita out to the way, I, you know, I mean, we, we sort of mentioned this earlier, but it, it sort of bears emphasizing it is really impressive the way, uh, Hina Sugita has played multiple positions for the thorns and excelled at multiple positions for the, for the thorns, whether it's centrally, uh, as a six, eight, uh, or even a, a, as a 10, uh, at times as she has sort of played de facto. Um, but now moving out to being an out and out winger, not like a pension in kind of winger, not, not, you know, n- nothing sort of really quirky about it, just an out and out winger. Um, and her ability to be a game changer as a winger, uh, is really remarkable. Yeah, I mean, her first play in that position <laughs> was against Houston. She put the ball in that was the own goal. That was yeah. the very first play that she was in that position. And from there, she has been an unbelievable playmaker and has been in all the right spots. Yeah. And 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 so, you know, I, I so I like what I saw. I think Quika was was good as a right back. Certainly she has the defensive chops um, to be able to play as a right fullback rather than a, a right wing back. Be, you know, there are significantly more defensive responsibilities, uh, in, in, in that position. It's not an unfamiliar position for her. Obviously she's, she's played in a four back a decent amount. Um, but I also thought that, that, that it allowed Becky Janine Becky, um, to be a a bit more aggressive in getting into the attack, uh, which I think worked very, very well. Um, and while also keeping Quika, uh, a, you know, a, a sort of, uh, you know, fully productive attacking player as well. When, when the thorns were able to push up, which was basically the entire game. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that four, four, two operated as you want a four, four, two to operate. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, early in possession, the, the wingers were good in providing width later in possession. They did a nice job of coming into the channels and letting the fullbacks provide width. the, the, the central fulcrum was really stable, um, Sophia Smith, uh, is, is obviously the, among the best strikers in the world right now. Um, and I think that free role for Moultrie, uh, has looked really, really good, uh, and has been, you know, I mean, maybe the first time we've seen her have a run of games where she very much looks the part of a professional starter. Yeah. And she's been, she's been really seeking that too. You know, she's had conversations privately with, with Karina LeBlanc and, and with Rian Wilkinson about um, getting more chances. And, and I think that um, this may be her niche, you know, she may have found that spot where she can really be a consistent contributor for them uh, because yeah, she's again, she's 16 years old folks. She is, she was the youngest player ever to score a goal in NWSL. Um, and 
made a debut at a really young age and and obviously is a is a talented young player so uh, this could be as you said the the kind of niche that that works for her you know and and I don't blame the thorns for the the way they've used her it's i mean when when you're dealing with hyper talented young players like Moultrie is um the, there is always more danger uh in overexposing the player and and overwhelming them um than there is in being a little bit cautious um now she uh, she has played it's not like she's been completely relegated to the bench she she's she's gotten opportunities um but this is this is her biggest opportunity so far and you know i mean it, it's just a what you want to see from these young players when when they do when these opportunities do come along and if a club is healthy, they will, and and it is. Um, is you want to see them seize it? And I don't think there's any question. Moultrie has seized this opportunity. That's not just to say that she is an in pin starter from here on out. Christine Sinclair is still in the team. Uh, she will be coming back. Uh, and and you know I expect Sink to get the majority of the uh, of the starts probably for the rest of the year. Um. But I also think that Moultrie has shown that she deserves to get a number of these uh, over the course of the year, which, of course, causes no stress for the Thorns. They would they want to see that. They want to have sort of that like-for-like like switch option, given the schedule congestion in NWSL um, and just the reality of Sink's age. That's great to have to have sort of a, a platoon partner. Um for Christine Sinclair and, and, uh, and I think Moultrie has shown that she is very much ready, uh, for that role this year. She can very much be trusted to play important roles. I mean, she's playing as a 10 as a second forward, one of the most important players in, in, in the team. Uh, and she's shown that she's ready to be trusted with that role. Um, and, uh, and, and, and in doing that, uh, if she can continue to grow in that role this year, um, then I think when you're looking at 2023 and beyond, you are looking more at a regular starter. And, and that is the next, that is sort of the next, uh, the next hurdle. Um, but the, the, the danger is far more in sort of crowning a, a hyper talented young player too early than it is in being too patient. And, you know, I mean, it, it, it is uh, a process in, in which she has to show some patience and in, in which she has to sort of grow into and, and sort of prove it out on the field in NWSL games um, that she can be trusted with it. And she's doing it right now. So full credit to Moultrie, full credit to Moultrie for having those conversations. Um, she should. You want her to want to play. Um, you want her to want to get those opportunities um, and, uh, and, and great job, great on her for, for advocating for herself. Um, that's a hard, I mean, I couldn't have done that at 16. I would have <laughs> been terrified. Yeah, no way, man. <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. Um, and so full credit to her for doing that. Uh, I, I, and, and I think that shows the maturity that I guess is just another way, uh, I, I guess I should say in which she's shown the maturity that she's also shown on the field. Uh, in these last few weeks as she's really seized this opportunity. So, I mean, a, a, you know, long-term for the Thorns in, in looking at the future, that should be tremendously exciting for Thorns fans um, because uh, it is maybe the clearest indication that we've had to date that the hype around Olivia Moultrie is not just hype, that she very well has the ability to be a special player in the league, a special player for the national team, a special player for the Thorns. Um, and, uh, and if she continues to grow and if she continues to seize these opportunities, um, that, that looks like the path we're on. Definitely. Uh, we, we mentioned defense earlier and, and the only the two goals in, in the 15 to two, uh, stretch. I, I do want to, uh, just make sure we don't neglect to mention Bella Bixby. Uh, she has legitimately been goalkeeper of the year in NWSL, I think. I mean she she has made so many unbelievable athletic timely saves. Um any opportunity of which there have been few for the uh the teams that have played the Thorns recently, she's been there. Uh, her instincts are are incredible. She she could play um goalkeeper and and be a star in any league. So, um credit to her. Um Moving back though in, into kind of the the attacking positions that we had been talking about, um, 
you can't go through this this extended discussion about the thorns without mentioning Sophia Smith. Um, we, we gush about her all the time. Basically every episode. Pretty much every episode we talk uh, in glowing terms about Sophia. And, you know, she's earned it. She's one of the best players in the world right now. Um, best One of the best strikers in the world right now. Um, and is in a heated battle with Alex Morgan for, for top goal scorer in the league. Alex Morgan is just going off. So it's, it's hard even for somebody as unbelievably talented as Sophia, who's been putting in the goals, uh, to catch up to her. She even tweeted at Alex Morgan to slow down, uh, as, as we talked about. Um, but this is, this is a woman who I think is, in the front for NWSL MVP. She, she's up there with Alex, uh, with, with other players in the league who have, um, showcased their, um, significant difference from the rest of the league. Uh, Mallory Pugh's another that, um, that stands up there in that group. Uh, and you listen to, to Vlatko, uh, the U S women's national team coach, Vlatko Andonovsky talk about, um, talk about her and talk about Pew. Um, and it's just, he's just in love with how they play and why wouldn't he be right? They, they have dominated the league so far this season, uh, particularly Sophia, who, um, is someone that at 21 years old, uh, is going to contribute in these U S women's national team games in ways that are going to elevate her stardom. Uh, and, and as we get closer to the next world cup, I think that on a national stage, uh, for really the first time in her young career, people are going to see just how special she is. She she could reach the marketability level of somebody like Alex Morgan, be be on that international superstardom plane, uh, and and that is no exaggeration. You know, it's 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 hard to envision something like that. Um, in advance because you never know how people are going to react to an athlete, how they're going to absorb their, uh, personality, et cetera. But, um, she's going to be one of those people and, and you see it with her play on the field that does all the talking. Uh, she is tremendous. So it's, it's been really exciting to watch her this season. We've talked a lot about the goals, but I think the, the case around the case for, for, Sophia Smith being MVP right now centers around her holdup play. It is so good. I think it's the best in the league. And I don't know if there's really a viable counter argument to that. <laughs> she, the, the thorns routinely, especially given the way the thorns have been sort of keeping her a little bit isolated in space, whether it's laterally or vertically, uh, in their formation. Uh, the Thorns pretty routinely play the ball into her where she has to hold off one or two or sometimes more defenders um, while the the wingbacks uh, or the wingers, uh, as, as it were last, last week in the 4-4-2, um, get into the attack. And she is just dominant in that respect. And I think that's something that, that, that has not been discussed as much in her development. I think she sort of came up being conceived as sort of a pacey winger who, who, who has a, as, as the billboard suggests, a vicious first step, um, and who can run at players. She is so strong though. And very and, physical for somebody that's as small as she is. I mean, she, she just throws her body around so well. Uncannily so. Um, to the point where she physically dominates center backs regularly. Um, and then has the close control to be able to work out of tight spaces. Um, uh, when, when defenders are, are trying to tee off on her, which they do all the time. Um, it's something else to watch. Uh, and when you have a player that has that ability to to hold the ball up, to advance the ball uh, from the, the those positions, to work to hold off defenders and then and then use her body to get away from them, um, and then also has the finishing ability and also has the pace to run at 
either outside backs or center backs. Um, I, my goodness. I, I mean, I, I think international superstar is right. I think I, I, you know, I, I think that's, that, that is where it looks like we're going. Um, that, you know, we're, we very well could be sitting here in 2032 talking about how Sophia Smith is still one of the premier players, not in NWSL, not in the U S women's national team setup in the world. (laughs) And, and, and that, that's what the trajectory looks like right now. Um, but it's not just because she's a good finisher. Um, it's not just because she is dangerous in space and can run at defenders. Uh, it's because she has an unusually well-rounded skill set for a striker um, and for a forward uh, that very much includes maybe being the best hold-up striker in in the league. Yeah, I think it, the onus is on the thorns to to lock her up as long as possible in a contract because um, th- they recently signed her to an extension, which is great. Keep her with the club for a few more years at least. Um, but th- this is somebody who um, is going to dominate NWSL for years to come and, and, and become this, as we've talked about, global superstar, I think. Um, she, she is someone who um, I think fans should be excited to watch uh, come into her own in this way. This, this is really, I think, her breakthrough year to to be um be who she knows she can be as a player. Uh, so that's really exciting to to watch. You know, and the other point to make about this, you know, the 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 biggest factor that uh that drives whether, you know, promising young players sort of blossom into the superlatives um that people heap upon them when they're when they're promising young players uh is work ethic, right? And what the, the way we've seen Smith develop over the last couple of years, I think, makes very, very clear that she is an incredibly hard worker because you don't add these aspects to your game unless you are working your tail off in the weight room, uh, on the practice field, um, uh, in, in, in the video room, in figuring these kinds of things out. Um, and, and having that kind of work ethic uh, combined with sort of the, the, the killer instinct that she has, uh, on the field, um, is, is the biggest thing that will predict, uh, whether she can get to those heights, uh, that, that, that she now is proving that she's capable of and everything we've seen in the last is 12 months, especially indicates that, that, that work ethic is there in spades, um, to get her there. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that makes me think of, um, after the Houston game, um, there was a journalist on, on the post game press conference that asked Sophia, uh, if she practices the, the thing where she, um, hit the ball with the bottom of her cleat and it went back to, to Moultrie. Um, and she goes, yeah, I practiced that. It's like, oh, really? Okay. Well, most people don't really, you know, <laughs> I mean, you speak about that so casually, Sophia, but most people don't really, you know, practice these unique, special moves like that i mean that's the level she's at she's she's doing stuff like that in practices she's done all the work to get to the superstardom and now she's creating these creative ways to uh, share the ball with her teammates um, and score goals and so it's it's really exciting a lot of goals let's transition (laughs) the the vibes portion of the podcast is over We've talked a lot about the Thorns, and, and I'm happy that we have because they deserve the the attention for how well they've been playing. Um, but there there's another team in Portland um, that is just now coming out of the international break, uh, and they were looking pretty good for a little bit here and there, maybe kind of in the first half of, we're of their, uh, we're really trying of, of the, <laughs> uh, yeah i'm 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 stretching it a little bit here <laughs> but uh the the timbers were up one zero let's say which is true on the uh, la galaxy that this is a factually correct uh, assessment <laughs> of the game um and then they were not they in the 88th minute gave up a late goal also which is yes, it, that occurred. I, I'm just giving you guys full factual recap here, uh, <laughs> and and they they blew it. 
again, they, they had another game in hand that, that they fell backwards into a draw and uh, completely deflating, honestly. You know, Gio, um, after the game, was happy with how they uh, played for the most part, but said, you know, obviously we need to, to get to a point where we are finishing these chances. Uh, and, and that, from, from him, from the players, from everybody – uh, is is starting to repeat itself a little more than than fans might like that that common refrain that yeah we just need to finish our chances yes yes you do <laughs> they <laughs> also need to create them though they also need to create them and and frankly up top they don't really have anybody that is a reliable threat right now uh, Sebastian Blanco is the best player on this team he is not at the point in uh, in his career where he can be a 90 minutes every game kind of guy anymore. Uh, he He's going to need more rest than he used to, and he can't be the guy that everything runs through. Um, so, so they're in this kind of weird space where, yes, Felipe Mora is back, but they're going to have to take their time with him because he only played like five minutes. Uh, in that first one, and it's probably not going to be much more than that for a week or two. Um, Nia's Gota is is back in there, played 60 minutes. I thought uh, was solid in some stretches, but then did the usual thing where he just kind of disappears into the background. And um, Nathan Fogasa, bright young kid, really happy for him to get a first-team opportunity, but... When he was out there, he didn't really do anything. And so the striker position remains a major issue. Um, I thought that in defending, Portland was um, lucky that only one goal <laughs> went up on the board. Uh, yeah, there were a I, number of opportunities. For a stretch or, or two in the game, a few extended stretches, I thought they defended well. That's not to say they didn't. But there were so many opportunities that were either near misses for the galaxy or um, just strange situations that didn't allow the ball to, to find the net um, for them where I, I think it could have easily been a three to one loss for, for Portland if a few things tipped the other way, but they didn't. So, you know, credit to them in that regard. It's just, you know, the vibe is not very good right now. I mean, they are 14th or is it 13th in the Western conference. Um, near the bottom, second from the bottom, and uh, one point away from the dreaded wooden spoon. Uh, in a year after they were participants in MLS Cup, uh, there's been talk extensively about this second half being an opportunity for this team to make a major turnaround, but at a certain point you have to ask, is this who they are? And... Yes. 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 Yes, of course. <laughs> Please elaborate, sir. Uh, yes, of course, this is who they are. Uh, I, we're too deep into the season for this to be a fluke. This isn't about injuries. The, the Timbers have had some injuries, to be sure. But, like, again, welcome to professional sports. That happens. Everybody has had some injuries. Uh, Sporting Kansas City has certainly had some injuries. Uh, you know, Alan Pluto has been out all year. You know, you could go down the list. Seattle's had some injuries. Raul Ruiz Diaz has missed, uh, you know, some time here and there. They've had a number of guys, <laughs> excuse me, who have missed time here and there. Uh, you could go down literally the entire table and identify players who have been out for teams. Um, so the Timbers have had some injuries. Have they been worse than most? Maybe a little bit. Has it been like crazy? No, I mean, it's been maybe more than usual, but not extraordinarily more than usual there. You know, if you got the, the bell curve they're they're somewhere in the fat part of the curve. Um, uh, and they're bad <laughs> through 16 games. They have 16 points, which is extremely bad. Um, three wins, three wins uh, three. in 16 games. Yeah. Which is not great. Uh, you know, and and we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about tactics uh, quite a bit. We've talked about the the striker position quite a bit. I actually thought, from a tactical perspective, 
the Timbers got a lot right on the weekend. Um, I think they, especially in the first part of the game, dominated the game. Um, I don't think they they quite dominated as as the game went along. Um, but you know, I mean, Gio Savarese said after the game that he thought they were the better team, and he thought they sort of, from a figure skating kind of, were gonna you know judge the team's performance perspective uh, that they were the better team. Uh, and I don't think that's irrational. I, I I thought the Timbers overall played pretty well in this one. I disagree with you a little bit. I don't think the Galaxy really had a ton of chances. They had a couple other chances that they could have converted. Um, Chicharito missed one. Um, there were there were there were, you know a couple credible but not obvious penalty shouts. Um, and and you know, but there was that, that you know, dive that that, uh, that got him yeah. a yellow card too. That was, yeah. that was a funny one actually. Uh, very, yeah, very much so. So there, there, there were a few moments like that, but that's, I mean, that's just pretty normal. I mean, that that's just the reality of playing a good team on the road. Um, and the galaxy have, have had issues, but they're a good talented team. They, you know, they're not the Houston dynamo, um, the, where, where there's, there's, you know, a pretty significant talent gap. The galaxy have struggled, but it's never been for lack of talent. Um, and, and that's certainly not the case this year. And then frankly, they haven't been struggling. They're a good team. Uh, and I think when you play a good team on the road, they're going to have a, a, you know, they're going to get some chances. I don't think they had a ton of them. Uh, and I thought, especially late in the game, as they were applying more and more pressure, the Timbers generally did a pretty good job of keeping things fairly quiet. Um, it's not like it was a shooting gallery on Aliazivic's goal, um, and and I thought the 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 timber structure and their defense did a, a nice job of largely keeping the galaxy at bay until they didn't. And honestly, the until they didn't part is is I think the part that that deserves the most focus right now. The timbers have played nine road games this year. They're one four and four in road games, which is bad, but actually not terrible. Uh, if you want to look at the, the more terrible part of it, it's the fact that they're two, two and three at home. Mm -hmm. Um, that is, that's a huge problem. One, four and four on the road. Probably like to see one or two of those, uh, be wins if you wanted to be a good team. Um, but you know, that's, that's not a panic button hitting road record, but here's the thing of those nine road games that they've had, they've led five of them and they've only won once. They have they, they darn near didn't too in that Vancouver game. I that's mean, they, right. they they were a, a hop, skip, Granted, and a jump they're, away they're, from doing the same thing and giving up a draw. The, exactly, and and you know, I mean, there were there were some other other factors that play in in, in that game. Uh, some interesting decisions from Sylvia Petrescu that maybe made that game look a little bit closer than it should have been. Yeah. Um. But you know, I, I, I the they've led five road games and only won one. That's really poor. And if you want to look at a season in which you're on one point per game halfway through uh, and and really now up against it, you know, the, the uh, you know, I'm not sure the, 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 the head is in the noose, so to speak, in terms of this, the, the, the season, but they're walking in the direction of the gallows. Um, they're now really up against it. Uh, and you look at those points dropped, uh, at New York, at LAFC, at San Jose, uh, now at LA galaxy. Um, those are tough to swallow. And I think they speak as much to mentality as they do to personnel or tactics. And I think that that, that was stark. Uh, on the concession that the Timbers gave up to the Galaxy. Um, where, frankly, there was no urgency. They fell asleep on a play. They allowed a three-pass sequence on the wing with zero ball pressure from anybody on anybody. It was basically a standstill cross uh, the, that that came in uh, from, it was Araujo, right? Uh the uh, and and the, it was basically a standstill cross, and a completely unimpeded run for a header on the near post. Um, and when you look at it, guys were there. <laughs> uh, 
Laris Mabiala at one point had position uh, on uh, to to at least impede Yovelish's uh, uh, run. He didn't. Uh, Marvin Loria, Claudio Bravo, Jimmy Chara were all sort of in good spots to be able to contest uh, the, the the combination that led to the cross or, or to put pressure on and deny the cross. They didn't. The reactions were extremely slow. And that's how you lose games. <laughs> that's how you that's how you drop results uh in 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 games that may that are there for the taking. Um and it's frankly a little bit baffling for me that that's happening in that situation. The Timbers looked early in the game like a team that was that knew the circumstance it was in, that knew the situation it was in, that knew that it needed to get points and that it needed to be aggressive and that it needed to come out and 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 lay it on the line to to get that result in a difficult place to play against a difficult opponent. They did not look that way at the end of the game, and that absolutely baffles me. Um, and I hate it. I underline hate it when commentators, you know, talk about this in terms of like very gendered terms of, uh, you know, that kind of, you, you, you know, you need to have the guts and that, that kind of stuff. Um, but the Timbers did not show the urgency that they need to get a result like that. And that's inexcusable at this point because yeah. that, that urgency needs to be there. I mean, look, we're, we're, so We've got a, a two-game series coming up uh, Saturday, Wednesday, uh, at home against Colorado and Houston. 17th and 18th games of the season. Timbers have one point per game right now, about halfway through. If they, the, you know, Generally, if you want to safely be in the playoffs, you need about 1.5 points per game. You can often get in with a little bit less than that. Um, if you're somewhere in the 1.4s once in a while, a team in the 1.3s will sneak in as a seven seed. That doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. Um, just where the, the, the red line is now and sort of based on the, the teams that are there. But if you, if reliably, if you're at 1.5 points per game, you're in the playoffs. Um, and I think that's a reasonable benchmark for the way things are shaping up, uh, so far in 2020. We'll see how it goes. If the Timbers want to finish at 1.5 points per game, they basically have to play Supporter Shield quality soccer from here on out. They need to average about two points per game. That's that's Supporter Shield stuff. Right, like literally right on it right now. I think that's exactly the Supporter Shield pace. Historically, that's about the Supporter Shield pace. Yeah, and that starts with two home wins, honestly. I, I think that these are two games that you gotta win them, period. And if you and if you're not winning home games against Colorado and Houston when you need to be playing supporter shield soccer, when you're not winning home games against non playoff teams from your conference, hang it up. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. This this is really going, I think, to define uh whether they are going to to make this turnaround. The, the these are the two games, you know. Um Sports writers and, and sports journalists in general can um, get a little too hamstrung on the whole idea of a of a quote unquote must win game, but to me, with the form that this Timbers team is in, uh, with the disappointment that came with the result at the LA Galaxy, where there would have been um, a little more hope had they held on to that result, um, you got to win this. It starts obviously with the, the first one against Colorado. Uh, then Houston, you got to beat too. I, those yeah. are two teams that on paper, uh, six points or bust. Yeah. Yeah. It says six points or bust type of situation. Uh, on paper, they are less talented than you. So you got to, you got to go out and do it. Right. Um, but, and if the points aren't know. coming from these kinds of games, where are they going to come from? Yeah. I mean, you, you're going to, have to go on the road to a Nashville team after that on July 3rd, which is not going to be an easy task. Uh, long travel, weird, um, you know, Quick weird turnaround. turnaround. Yeah, for that credible team, um, very credible team, good home atmosphere in Nashville. Uh, then you go on the road and play Seattle, a team that is starting to round a little more into form after a rough start of its own. Uh, but I mean, they're they're a better team than Portland. So, you know, you, you expect to go in there hoping to get a draw and 
Um, then you're back home, uh, finishing out July with two home matches and one on the road. The two home matches being Vancouver, a team you should beat, and San Jose, a team you should beat. Yeah. Um, then you're on the road at Minnesota July 30th. So the rest of July, um, you got to win pr- most of those, if if not almost all of them, right? Yeah, and if you're not if you're not beating Colorado and Houston at home, where in the world are you going to get the points that you need to average roughly two points per game for the rest of the season? Yeah, yeah, because you may lose out on them uh, in those two road games in Nashville and Seattle. So yeah, you th- can't these, count on those being three pointers. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, these are these are going to be an uh, an interesting few games to say the least uh, for the Timbers and and you know I, I don't think that um they're like a one move away type thing I think it's a mentality thing you know I, I don't think that you uh, bring in a new right back or you bring in a um, exciting striker and suddenly everything that is wrong with this team magically disappears I, I think it it has a lot to do with mentality. Um, and, and top to bottom personnel rather than specific individual holes, because I don't really think anybody's playing terribly well right now outside of the, the guys that you expect to and, and Sebastian Blanco, Diego Chara and other leaders who, you know, they're the stalwarts. They're going to do their jobs. It's, it's really about everybody else stepping into those roles. You know who had a good game? This is a total aside. This is completely separate from everything we've been talking Yimichara. about. Yimichara? Uh, I thought he was he was okay. Obviously, he had the great run to score the yeah, goal. Yeah, the one run was really nice. Yes, yeah. that, that was great. Otherwise, you know, I didn't think he was bad. Oh, you know who finally had a good game? Jose Carlos Von Rankin. Yes, he did. He had so a nice game. Yeah, both him and uh, Bravo, I thought, were really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that they... They got themselves into into better positions than they've been, and particularly Bravo. You know, I I don't mean to to stray away from you giving JVR credit where it's due. Uh, he hasn't had a lot of chances to get the <laughs> that type of credit this season. Let's be fully honest. Stayed on the field, so that was nice. Yeah, I mean, the, from the conversations I've had with with um, folks at the Timbers, um, the right back position is going to be the one where the change happens this summer. Uh, that is that is the first priority so it has to that's the that's the position they've had the most difficulty with this season other than striker um so so what i know is that the the timbers aim to sign a right back in this window that's the first priority um next on the list and and who knows what would precede this potentially it would be departing from Yaroslavny's Goto or another DP to open up a spot, but there is a desire, from what I hear, uh, to to spend big on on a DP striker down the line. Whether that's somebody in this window or in the next window, um, those are are the whispers that I'm hearing uh, about that subject. Which um, you know, there's a lot of urgency on the part of Timbers fans for for the front office to, to spend the money to go out, get some, some higher caliber players. Um, and I, I do think they need to do that, but I don't think it's going to be the, the end all be all and, and the, um, the salve they need to repair this particular season. I think that, um, unless they, they make this turnaround that we're talking about, start playing, as you said, supporter shield type soccer, uh, in these next few weeks, this is, this is kind of a lost season. So you, the, the moves that you are going to make, uh, in all likelihood are going to be for building, uh, out a better future and, and building a team that, uh, next year, uh, is, is more serious in, in contention and, and potential, uh, playoff runs. Yeah. I think the, the, the immediate changes that need to be to, that need to be made need to be internal, um, and and the improvement needs to be internal, uh, principally, um, because I agree with you. You know, the it, it sounds like the the likelihood of truly kind of game changing additions over the course of the next couple of months is pretty slim, and so there's no knight in shining armor uh, that's going to come save the season. Um, you know, it would be unfair. To hope that Felipe Mora is that knight in shining armor can certainly help, um, but you know, I mean, it, it wouldn't be fair to him to to pile that responsibility on his shoulders. Um, and yeah, 
So, you know, they, there, there is, they should not be counting on a knight in shining armor. Um, and, uh, they should be collectively and by they, I'm primarily referring to the players. They should be collectively feeling like they need to take that responsibility on their shoulders, that they are the only ones who are going to save them from what right now looks like a terrible season. And, you know, I mean, I, 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 I guess if I was Gio Savarese coming out of that game, I would be pretty livid that my team frittered away three really important points. I guess two really important points, but the point remains. Yeah. Oh, um, I would be pretty livid. I, I would be pretty hot in my post-game speech because like, you know, I mean, I guarantee they talked about not doing things like this. I guarantee that in, in the, the international break, part of the message was it is now or never that we need these points. We need points everywhere we go. And every opportunity we have to get points, we need to seize it. And if I was him and I saw the lazy rotations and I saw the unimpeded run to give up the goal in what was it, the 86th minute to drop points, I would be up a wall. I don't, you know, Gio seems like a nicer person than I am. <laughs> so, so maybe he wasn't. He's, he's a nice guy, he, but he is a competitor, as you know. I mean, he's, 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 I'm... I don't doubt that he has the capability to to light a fire under their rear ends. Um, he, he's the type of guy that um, is willing to be vocal when necessary. It's it's just, uh, are they listening? Is every is everybody listening? He he was measured in his post game uh, comments uh, to his credit, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if in that post game talk he blew the doors off the locker room a bit. Um, and frankly, that would, that would be warranted because that's, that's what the situation calls for. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the change needs to be internal. Uh, hopefully they, they find a good right back to bring in to, to reinforce the team a little bit. Um, but you know, that's, that's not going to get them where they need to go. Felipe Mora coming back and and getting healthy and fit isn't going to make the change that they need to make. It, It needs to be internal. Definitely. And, and they're healthy now. So, you know, the excuses have, uh, as far as injuries, no longer exist. Um, true. Hopefully they don't uh, deal with too many more in the back half. But right now, everybody's there. What, what do you got? Show me what you got. Yep. And, and, and if you don't show us what you got in the next week or so, um, you know, we, we, we might be throwing dirt on the season. Uh, you know, uh, in this space next week, uh, it, depending on how the next couple of games go. Yeah, that's that's how huge these are. Uh, look forward to those. Uh, keep an eye on OregonLive.com for full coverage of uh, those two games. Uh, for Chris Reifer, I'm Ryan Clark. Thank you for joining us today on Soccer Made in Portland. Be sure to leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, like us, subscribe to us. Uh, and tell your friends because we we always want to bring more folks into this uh, great circle of listeners that we have out there. Uh, So thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week.